Hi, everyone. I'm Laurel Simmons of The Right Club, and I'm joined today as my co-host, Catherine Nelson-Riley, our great operations manager. Hi, Catherine. We are actually continuing our conversation with Mark Baltasar. It was a fascinating conversation that, that definitely warranted two episodes. In this one, he does look at the, the mindset and, and some of the financing and some of the ins and outs. And I'm really looking forward to this episode. Yeah. So if you haven't listened to part one, go, go listen to it because Mark really does set up, you know, how he's doing it, where he's doing it and, and some of the, the issues. But in this part uh, of the interview, we, we talk about mindset and, and financing. So uh, let's go to the interview. Welcome to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is on helping you, the real estate investor, advance to the next level. And now let's join this week's hosts and share ways for you to customize your life. Something up here is blocking you from moving ahead in some way, right? It's, oh, it's okay, well, that's good. So if you agree with that, then cool, we're on the same page. But what is it that, like, how do you unlock that, right? Well, you can strengthen your mindset. What do you got to strengthen? So I did some, my background is research, but I was, and I was, I'm a researcher by training out of school and then spent, you know, almost 20 years in a company doing research like, and, and trying to understand psychology of people, how people buy, right? So shopper psychology, that was, that was the business I was in for real estate. So the mind, the mind and people decision-making psychology has always been super fascinating uh, to me. And so I did a little bit of research kind of on my own over the last, you know, six months or so in terms of mindset. And so why the four things that stop people from taking action are this one kind of fear, right? So fear, but fear of what? So fear of making mistakes, right? So if you could unlock and catalog, almost get people to really outline what their fear is and almost put it on paper, right? So it's front and center. They realize that what they're afraid of is really, and they really killed them. Actually, it's not, you know, it's almost once you know what it is and once you kind of stare fear in the face, it's actually not that, you know, not that bad. The other thing that holds people back is not having clear direction, right? So when you don't have clear direction, you kind of, you know, this whole kind of, you spin your wheels, right? You just don't know where to go. How to fix that, right, is goal setting, understanding your why. In the case of kind of our business and our coaching, you know, coaching platform, it's so why are you getting into apartment buildings? If you don't know why you're getting into apartment buildings, you're probably going to spin your wheels. And when you get to periods where hard decisions need to be made, you might not, you might stray away from it because you don't know what apartment builders are going to do for you. So having very clear direction in terms of what the, this business needs to do for you is super important. Having the other reason why people don't move forward is not having kind of a clear blueprint, right? Is not knowing what the steps are. The beauty about, I think, most real estate asset classes, maybe short-term rentals and Airbnb is a little bit newer. Apartment buildings are old. Like it's not a new business, right? Like it's been done before. So there's a blueprint. There's like, there's things that you should do and there's things that you shouldn't do. And there's you know stuff in between where you can innovate, but having a clear, nothing a blueprint will help people kind of unblock things in their mind. So I guess long answer to, is it important? Yes, mindset's super important, but I like to, always like to take it a step deeper and take what specifically holds people back. And it's typically, you know, those four things, fear, not having clear direction, or sorry, not having clear understanding of why they're doing what they're doing, not having a, you know, specific step-by-step -step blueprint as to what's going on. It also 
not being surrounded by the right people. You know, that's the other piece that kind of, it could hold people back. So being able to reach up and again, network matters. And so there's specific things people can do, like tactical things to strengthen the mindset. And, and this stuff doesn't, it's not just about real estate or multifamily. This, like these concepts apply in any business or anything that people are doing, which is a beautiful part of it. I real I, when you're talking about fear, I remember years ago, I'm talking to someone who I met at various, I, I met him year after year at real estate, whatever meetings, conferences. Mm-hmm. And every single time he said to me, well, I'm still looking into it. I haven't done anything yet. I just, I'm yeah. not sure. I still have to do some more analysis. And I finally realized that, God, this guy was so afraid of yeah. moving. Yeah. Right. And th- there can be many reasons why you're afraid. At the same time, when you're, as you're saying, when you write, put it down on paper, um, I think sometimes people, people with the fear is that it's so big, it's such an amorphous blob, they can't even, they don't even know what shape it is. Well, who says you have to do everything, right? Like Yes. Yeah. 100%. I think so. People, and, you know, we've all met many people like that. And it just, it's, it's so it's one of the, one of the things that holds people back. It's overwhelm and indecision, which I think is the fourth one, actually it's, it's overwhelm and indecision and overwhelm and indecision often happens when, okay, let's say buying an apartment building, holy smokes, that's crazy. Buying an apartment, building, like 10 units. That's like, there's a lot of stuff. And there, there are a lot of steps that go into it. In fact, there's a big long list of stuff that goes into it. And when overwhelm and indecision takes hold, your people are thinking about the 30 things that need to happen, right? It's like, oh my gosh, there's 30 things that need to happen. That is a lot. I'm overwhelmed. And what happens is they don't move forward and their indecision takes hold. The fix to that is the blueprint, right? There are steps that you can take. So you're not going to do 30 things at once. So you're going to take, you know, maybe you do the first thing first and the second thing second. And newer investors just don't have the step-by-step kind of guide, right? Or the step-by-step process. Because Typically, there is kind of a chronological order to some of these things. Some things happen simultaneously. But once you have the blueprint, right, then the overwhelm starts to fade a little bit and you know, or they know exactly what kind of to do next and after that and and, and what sequential order they need to, you know, coaching helps, right? These courses help. Coaching typically, uh, you know, a good coach will basically tell you, you know, no, don't do this right now. Do, you know, do this later. Like for, I'll give you a quick example. So I had a, a coaching student. He was spent a lot of time and spun his wheels for a long time. He was getting into multifamily. He's very successful in previous businesses, but Ontario, Alberta, Ontario, Alberta. And he's like literally probably six weeks really trying to figure out. And when he came to work with us, it was basically, okay, your first step is give yourself permission for perhaps maybe the next three weeks research those markets. At the end of those three weeks, you're going to make a decision. You're going to either go to Alberta first or Ontario first. You could always go to the other one afterwards, but let's kind of stop the back and forth. Let's pick one and go. He ended up picking one and go. He gave him three weeks, picked one. Now he's kind of off. He's now into his second building and it was up to the race. But he just needed that little kind of unblocking, right? The unblocking and kind of just a focus in one area, make the one decision that unlocks the next sequence and then go. Yeah, I think a lot of people think they, like you, you said, they need to know everything all at once. Well, nobody was born knowing everything at all at once. Yeah. I don't care yeah. what you're in. You yeah. just do you know, step one. Well, what step is one. step one? And yeah. knock that off the list and then go to step two. It's not to say that you don't understand the process because as you say, there are, there, there is a process. And yeah. this is 
buying apartment buildings is not wasn't invented yesterday. It's been around a long yep. time. Yeah. So you there's the blueprint, you have your strategy, you have your plan, you know, your why, and then it's step one. Okay, yep. that's done. Let's go. Now yep. what's step two? Yep. Yep. And you don't have to do it all at once because nobody does it all at once. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, yeah, like as you know, someone who's new into anything, right? It's like, oh, there's all these things. Where do I start? Right. And so the where do I start is the tough part, right? That's like, you know, if I think about I don't know. If, um, like even self, well, no, let's even outside of real estate, if I were to start a new venture, right, I would probably feel the same way for a while, right? Where do I start? Where do I, you know, if I wanted to start like a, an, you know, an artificial intelligent, intelligent, creative marketing agency, I don't know where would it, where I'd start. So I'd spend my time spinning until I hired someone to tell me, okay, yeah. you know, here's where you go first. Here's what you do. If that's the business you're getting into or whatever, but you know, that's why like I said, you know, coach that's been that's in the business, doing it today is important because they'll just, you know, they'll help guide you and tell you, you, you got to say no to this for now and just go this way. I know because I've been there before, right? So, yeah. And I guess the same thing can be said about the team, the people that you have around you too. You really do want to select people who have experience in the multifamily world, correct? Yep. 100%. Yeah, for sure. Like I, you know, my first building that I bought, I made a mistake and I used a mortgage broker that I had used. I was, I was doing flips before I had done maybe around 30 or so. And so I had a mortgage broker that kind of was, was been with me pretty much most of the time. And I was comfortable with that person and, you know, had them do my first apartment building deal. And the way it was structured, it wasn't bad. It wasn't horrible. We didn't lose money on the way it was financed, but it wasn't ideal. And it wasn't ideal because I didn't use a broker that was that specialized in that type of asset class. They were good at residential mortgages. Now, to to this person's credit, they said, listen, I've only done three or four of these, just so you know. So that's great, transparent. But I still decided to work with them just because it was my comfort zone. And it just wasn't structured properly. It could have been structured much better. It would have probably come up with a better result due to that. And so, yeah, you want to work with people that are in the space, that are doing that the majority of their business is in the sector that you're looking to, you know, work in or grow in. Right. Are you finding it now with, especially with interest rates being higher? Although, like you said, because prices are coming down, it's really not. It all evens out, tends to even out, right? As mortgage, or sorry, as interest rates go up, prices tend to come down a little bit because that kind of does offset it. The interest rates and the prices offset each other. It does a little bit. Yeah, I think it's, you definitely need more. So the big thing for us is, at least in our business, we need more equity into these deals, right? So more capital into these deals. You know, when interest rate was, I don't know, but 12 months, 18 months ago, before the interest rate hike, you know, we'd be, we'd buy properties 85%, 90% loan to value, right? We never go 100% because that, we just never had to go 100%. We'd buy 85% LTV and so 15% equity. So it allows us to get into, you know, you know, deals with little capital. That doesn't work anymore, at least in our model, nor do we want to. It's very risky uh, because your burn rate, your financing costs are, are super high right now. So, our adjustment has been that, and also lenders are also looking for this too. I think very few right. lenders are going to go that high anyways, is uh, they, just, they just want more equity in the deal. Well, wait, like, what are you talking about? Like 25%, 30%, is that what you're seeing? Yeah. 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 Okay. So yeah, like 
Like we're just about to close in a building right now. It'll be 25%, 25% equity plus closing costs and stuff. So yeah, it's, you know, it's a fair bit. Yeah. Right. I can imagine because I don't know. I really don't know what prices are for say a 10 unit apartment building, but, and, and again, it would vary, right? If it was it yeah. downtown Toronto versus, I don't know, Dunville, I mean, whatever, there's going to be a, a, a sure. difference in price. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I can imagine that it's, you have to, yeah, have the equity. Yeah. That's it. That's it. So, so one of the things when you talk about the financing, I, how do you finance and how do you to diversify? What's, what are the strategies that you use? So financing right now, so what we call, I guess, the capital stack, how we kind of buy a building. So there's, there's you know, we sell mortgage debt, right? So there's, you know, a first lender that, that helps fund the majority of the purchase price. So typically, you know, seven, you know, 70, 75% of the purchase price, then the rest is in equity. So capital, so you know, from our fund our and investors, sometimes renov- so renovations are a significant, you know, component to this, like, you know, what, you know, our, our Mississauga building, the renovation budget there was about a million dollars. So some lenders will provide renovation financing. And, uh, so we, we used to take most of our renovation dollars from in debt and because the interest rates, you know, made sense to do that. Uh, we're taking a little bit less of that now and using equity, more equity to finance renovations. Um, again, just to, to mitigate the, the risk and also just the cost, the cost of capital is just very significant. Um, so typically what we're doing is we're acquiring these buildings with some higher interest debt in the beginning for the first 12 to 12 to 18 months. We have, you know, a few units that will turn over. Maybe there's some capital upgrades that we need to do. And then the end goal is always to go into um, CMHC long-term financing. So like five, five or 10 year, although we don't have any 10 years, we have all five. We have a few buildings that we're refinancing right now into CMHC and we hold it and we hold it and no cash flow, no cash flow. If we use regular like CMHC, like regular CMHC 40-year amortization, 1.3 debt coverage ratio, MLI Select, which is a new program that CMHC has, which allows you to amortize it a little bit further up to 50 years and have a lower debt coverage ratio, which basically means that, you know, they would, their, the advance, the mortgage advance would be a little bit larger because your debt coverage ratio, the amount, you know, of, of income required to cover your debt is, is a little bit less. So they're able to advance a little bit more. That becomes tricky because at a 1.1 coverage ratio, you know, your building doesn't really cash flow, it might be cash flow neutral, right? But it does allow you to take more capital out to reinvest it in another building. So, if you, you know, if you're in the, in a business of scaling a portfolio and kind of growing and buying more, then that's, a, you know, it's a good use of that capital or, good, you know, mortgage products or insurance product to, you know, continue to, to scale. Well, actually, that brings up a really interesting point about exit strategies, because, you know, a lot of people, when they get into real real estate, they think about, well, how do I get in or what do I do? And all oh, this is big and I got to go here and I got to do this. Yeah. But not a lot of people think about, okay, what am I, when do I want to get out? Because mm-hmm. eventually everyone's going to get out one, one way or yeah. another, right? Yeah. And um, if something doesn't work out the way I thought it would or I don't want it to, for whatever reason, yeah. um, I need to be able to exit. So yeah. how do you handle that? Like, what are some of your exit strategies? What do you recommend to some of the people you work with? Yes. 
So prior to launching the fund, we would work with investors that would, again, invest directly in our buildings, like limited partners in, into our buildings. In most of our buildings, they all wanted an exit date, right? So typically we have a deep, like by default, there's a sale that happens at the end of the period. And sometimes it's five years, six years, or seven years, depending on when we put that CMHC mortgage financing on. And so there's always a sale and that kind of, because people want to know when their money's actually coming back. We do have a few buildings where the investor group, they don't really, they're not really looking to kind of make or, or generate ROI, like a, a significant return. What they do want is just want to hold an asset. So the exit is a refinance at the end of a CMHC term where, you know, the advance will typically take up or pay their initial capital back at the end of five years. And then we'll refinance again and hold this. And now, you know, the investors, uh, as well as us, we're holding an asset, all of our money out. So kind of, I guess, like a burr, right? The burr strategy, a lot of people might be familiar with, says we're not doing that in 12 months, right? And they got, you could probably just, you could find a unicorn and maybe do that now, right? It's much harder to do that right now. Where now, you know, we, we did that, you know, 12 months ago. Again, that wasn't our plan. We're able to turn over 17 out of 18 units in a building because people just, you know, were fed up with what was going on there and they all decided to leave, which was beneficial to us. But um, 100% of your capital out in a very short amount of time is becoming uh, less and less likely to do. It, it does happen, but it's not as easy as it was, you know, 18 months ago. So again, just back to your question in terms of exit, we typically, most of our buildings have a, an exit data sale you know, an anticipated sale period in the fund. So just shifting over to the fund, it doesn't really, the investors that are in the fund, a sale, a, we sell the building or refinance. It doesn't like our investors don't care too much about that. What they care about is the analyzed return. And so for us as asset managers, we would decide, you know, at, you know, let's say at the end of a five-year mortgage term, if it more beneficial for the fund to sell it, take those proceeds and buy something else or refinance, hold the building and take kind of the limited proceeds and buy it again. So the objective of now looking at a whole portfolio, our decision-making is going to, well, is today is driven by what's going to maximize the value of the fund. Okay. All right. That makes sense. And as you, well, like, as you say, you have your deal structured so that when people going into it, they know that they know this is not a, this is not a get what is it? Get rich quick scheme, right? It's not, it's, it's to get rich, slow, slow. <laughs> get rich, slow. Like, I mean, it's apartment building. So it's slower, you know, apartment buildings were really never designed. Not that they were designed for investment or maybe they were, who knows, but it's, yeah, it's over the long term, right? Like it's a wealth building asset class. Right. Um, right. Like we know it's going up, right. It's, you know, especially in, in, in Canada, Ontario specifically, rentals, you know, if you look at the long term, if you look kind of historically, it's always kind of gone. It's been, uh, very little volatility has gone up, right? you know, rental housing. There's always a place for that here. I guess I, I was just thinking that you, when, when you go out to uh, acquire uh, these properties, you do have to be careful about the age of the building, correct? Yeah, it's definitely, you know, something that we look at in our due diligence, right? So typically what we're buying is kind of 1960s, right? 1970s, although we have a few 1980s and 1990 buildings, but, you know, I'd say 
Yeah, 1960s is, you know, is probably the majority of our apartment buildings. And so you just have to, you know, there's, there's, you know, building condition assessments, which you have to do, which is required anyways by a lender. We're staying away from stick frame or wood frame construction, just because the longevity, obviously, you know, you know, isn't as, you know, isn't as durable as concrete or block, right? So most of our newest acquisitions are solid concrete or block construction which has a few other benefits as well. The economic life is a little bit longer, but also in between units, there's less noise transfer. So it's just from a tenant experience, it's a little bit better. So there's kind of some trickle effects of that for sure. But, but age, yeah, you, you know, you have to do some you know, due diligence, the older it is. You fully that with the older buildings, especially if you're buying it, I don't know, maybe from the original owner. I don't, I don't know if that happens, but you have, um, a lot of sort of retrofitting to do because I really know very little about multifamily investing, but I would think that say building, say something was built in 65, building code certainly has changed since 1965. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. But even things like upgrading, I don't know, water pipes or, or yeah. electrics, I don't know. Like, yeah. is that a, a, an issue sometimes? Yeah, for sure. So it, that, you know, we would know about, you know, whether, you know, you have to, change some of the so plumbing would be a big one. You know, sometimes, you know, we had a building where the wiring was, the electrical was aluminum, right? So you got to have to account for that and there's different insurance costs. And so that, you know, we will find a lot of that out in our due diligence period. In fact, you know, we'll know even before spending money on, you know, a certified building inspector, you know, going to the mechanical rooms, kind of seeing what we have there, the piping, and such. And so, yeah, the older it is, the more risk there is. And so that might, you know, you might have to budget, well, you have to budget for that, you know, roofs, of course, mechanicals, and you have to have capital expenditure line item just for those things. Is there a difference? Um, you said certified building inspector. So um, I know that with residential units, there really is no such thing as a certified building inspector. Um, it's kind of buyer beware when it comes to building inspections for single family homes, but for the multifamily, is that different? So we use a few for, we use two firms actually that one, one has been in the business for a very long time. And so most lenders prefer they use its pension. So pension environmental, they do, you know, environmental studies as well as building inspections. We also use another independent that's been doing it for a long time is a mechanical engineer. Uh, by trade as well. Uh, so our lenders have accepted his reports. So typically they look for, they do look for, you know, specific companies um, that do. I, actually, I don't know if there's a certification, to be honest. Um, okay. I'm just used, curious. Yeah. We've used two companies that the lender has been fine with. Yeah. Typically the lender requires some certain, you know, aspects and certain qualifications. Yeah. We've been, we've worked with two companies out of the last 10 buildings we've done. Yeah. Okay. Just, I was just curious because, yeah, well, maybe there's a difference, but all right. So you yeah. know what? I think it is time for the lightning round. Sounds good. <laughs> we get to ask you four questions and uh, they're not difficult questions. But Catherine, oh, and, and sorry, uh, Mark, you just, you know, first, first answer that comes off the top of your head. Yeah. Catherine, you start. 
This week's lightning round is brought to you by Butler Mortgages, Canada's number one mortgage brokerage three years in a row. If you need a great mortgage broker to help you with investing in real estate or to help you purchase your next home, reach out to Daniel Patton and Michael Zanzini from Butler Mortgages. You can do that by calling 905-569-8326 or toll free at one 888 and check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round. So Mark, this has been great information. Thanks so much for joining us today. And as you've been going through your, well, your multifamily, but all the way through your investing, what is the best advice that you've ever received? It'd be from another investor, whomever, a mentor. Babes, what is the best advice? That was good. So well, what is the best advice? I think, yeah, I think ha- having someone that you could, like this concept of reaching up, right? So someone, having someone, and you know, maybe it's not a paid coach or a mentor, but someone in your network that you could regularly call or be open to calls that have done what you've done before. I know there's, you know, there's a few people that we, that have been where we are today are probably 10 times our size right now and have, you know, I've gone through, you know, the growing pains that we are going through and will continue to go through as we continue to evolve. And so being able to, you know, call someone and say, Hey, what do I do in this situation? Or what would you suggest? That will probably get people out of most or get through most hurdles. And the trick is to listen to their advice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, or challenge, right? Respectively challenge, right? You know, the other thing is they may not be. So they may have done, they may have been at your size five years ago, right? And so today is different than five years ago. So I think it's also finding a person that you can say, well, I don't know if that's going to work right now. I know it worked for you then. And and maybe they're right. And maybe you're right. Who knows? But having someone to have that dialogue with is super important. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, next question. If you could pick one attribute of yourself that, that you think has made you successful, what is that? What is that attribute? Uh, I'd say persistence. Okay. Say persistence. I think not blind persistence, right? Because I think you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, right? And know when to kind of move on and know when to continue pushing something forward. I'd say that's kind of even, you know, from when I was in university, that was probably the thing that kind of kept me going and in my other companies as well. So yeah, I'd say persistence. Okay. Um, what is your favorite resource for real estate investing? A book? I really like, I, I kind of, I don't know if I geek out on it, but like, I think there's some lot of good commercial economic reports right now, or not right now, but like have been available for a long time. You know, CBRE puts out good stuff. Avison Young, Collies put like just the economics of what's going on, the dynamics of what's going on. That's super important. And I think, so that's kind of one that just kind of at the fingertips. But again, people that, like we often ask our appraisers, um, are some of our lenders, direct lenders, and some of our brokers, questions about, hey, where do you think the, the bond rate, where the bond yield is going to go, right? Or what's happening? Like, what are the conversations with your economists in-house, right? So being able to kind of tap into just like to get questions, right? In terms of what macro, like macroeconomics is, is, is micro, we have a good grasp of micro, right? But getting perspectives on the macro, 
no one has the crystal ball, but getting various perspectives has been really important to us. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. Last question then. If you could go back in time and talk to 18-year-old Mark, <laughs> what would be one piece of advice you would give to that, that 18-year-old? Yeah, start at 18. Start sooner. Like I, you know, I, I don't think it's too late for anybody to start. So, you know, I have three, three kids, 11, 13, and 15. And so just based on that question, my wife and I were starting to educate them kind of on investing. They know what I do. We have conversations about it. We have, you know, discussions that they call it smart camp or kind of, you know, talk about investing stocks, options, uh, real estate. Uh, so, you know, I wish I started when I was 18, 19, 20, cause I know people and you know, people in your network and in the right club and right. the network, there's people that started at that age, right? Yeah. And, you know, they're not even you know 30 yet and they have you know, amassed a really significant life changing, generational changing portfolio. And so anyone can do that. And it's just kind of getting educated soon enough and knowing that it's possible early enough to, to actually take action on it. But like you said, it doesn't matter when you start as long as you start, right? Because yeah. yeah. you can be 80 and still start. I mean, you can still invest. It doesn't 100%. matter. Yes, 100%. Um, or you can be, I don't know, 18 and have dad saying, hey, you know, take that, whatever you earn every month. And let's just put that half of it into whatever it is. And there you yeah. go. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Mark, it's been wonderful. Thank you. How do people reach you? What's the best way for people to reach you? Yeah. So email mark at peakmultifamily.ca. I'm very active on social media. So at mark underscore Baltazar website, uh, peakmultifamily.ca. Any of those, you'll be okay. able to kind of what we're doing. That's great. Thank you. And it was great having you on. It's, it's always fun to chat with you and uh, hear what's going on. And it sounds like your life is quite busy these days. Busy. It's busy. <laughs> it's busy. It's good though. It's good. All right. Thank you so much. You Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate okay. it. Thank you. All thank right. you. Wow, Laurel, that was quite quite the information that Mark was able to share with us, uh, taking us uh, through the mindset and also dovetailing into the financing. Yeah, yeah, it really was. And uh, you know, it, it's, it's always so much fun to talk about mindset and because it, it is such a critical part of any real estate investing strategy. And you know what? It doesn't really matter. It's a part of whatever you do. I don't care what business you're in, what career you're in. It, the mindset is is the probably the most important thing. So, you know, I, I hope you guys really enjoyed this. And uh, again, if you haven't listened to part one, go listen to it because lots of great information. So for now, we're going to say goodbye. And uh, don't forget to go to therightclub.com. Lots of podcast interviews there and lots and lots of information for you to dig into. And until next time, Go customize your life. Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast, where the focus is on helping all levels of real estate investors advance to the next level and help you customize your life. Be sure to tune in next week at rightclub.com slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you get a few seconds, please rate the podcast wherever you're listening. It helps the show get noticed by others like you. And we truly appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe.